And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful prayer. It is so good to be here this weekend, to be with you today and last night, to have the joy of uh, being together with those involved in your music ministry. Uh, Such a wonderful time of fellowship and uh, just enjoying one another's presence as well as enjoying a little bit of entertainment. And that was not me. I was not the entertainment. I was the after speaker. Um, But it is wonderful to be here uh, today and to be in Birmingham and to be especially with my dear friends, David and Jill Vaughn. I cannot tell you how much I love these two people. We had opportunity to serve uh, together at different times in the same church as minister of music. Uh, David following me there and um, in Tennessee, and then, of course, as I had opportunity in serving as the state uh, leader, working with musicians across the state, it was a joy to have uh, David in that as a part of that, and Jill. And uh, they've been influenced on a lot of people that I love there, and uh, I know good and well, just by the nature of who they are, that they're continuing that ministry here with you. So I commend them, certainly, to you, and... Uh, Pray that you will take care of them and watch over them and uh, serve alongside of them as they seek to follow the direction of the Lord with you in this place. Well, today uh, I want to talk to you about a a topic that really is addressed primarily to the church. If you're here this morning and you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, I pray that somehow, regardless through this, as we share from God's Word, that you will still hear the gospel in the midst of what we have to share. But largely what I have to share today is for the congregation, for the church, uh, known as Meadowbrook Baptist Church. Uh, I want us to think for a while today about uh, music as as ministry. I realize that having a musician uh, preach may make you a little bit nervous, but hey, you're calling your student minister as your pastor, so... uh, that's probably a good, a good uh, lead-in for me. But if it makes you nervous to have uh, a music um, minister speaking to you this morning, just imagine how it makes me feel. So, um, Can you imagine a world without music? Can you imagine a world without music? It is a powerful, powerful thing. We use it, of course, in the entertainment world. It undergirds. Uh, not just music presentation itself, but it undergirds the storyline of movies that we go uh, to see. Um, certainly it would not be the same going to an SEC football game and having your team score or having your team make a great play and there be no fight song. It just wouldn't be the same. Now, normally I would have you insert thoughts of Rocky Top here, but <laughs> since that's not played much during football season anymore... Uh, <laughs> But there's great hope for the future. There's great hope out there for the Always hope for the future. Uh, Bama had its days. Auburn has had its days. And um, so, but can you imagine what it would be like? It just would not be the same. It would be incomplete. It would be incomplete. Same thing certainly is true of movies. In fact, it is by the music usually that we know that the boogeyman's getting ready to jump from the lurking in the shadows or that the hero is getting ready to kiss the damsel in distress, or if you're uh, old enough to remember the movie Jaws, you know, every time they showed a picture of water and that song, 
You just knew there was a shark there. In fact, you know, if you think about it, you know, it could be at somebody's backyard in their swimming pool, you know, and a child be getting ready to jump in, show a picture of the water. Don't jump, don't jump. Music has power. It has power. It has power that can be used for good. It has power that can be used for evil. Uh, studies have shown us that people listening to different kinds of music actually drive differently. Now, as you go home today, you can pick. What, what are they probably listening to? What are they probably listening to? But it's true. Uh, we also, of course, have all heard stories about uh, teenagers and young adults who have been listening to certain kinds of music uh, who sadly have been spurred on even to suicide. Um, music can be for good. Music can be for bad. Um, I would strongly encourage you, if you did not see um, a special that was actually on ABC News, I don't, one of those magazine shows, when Gabby Gifford, uh, the congressman from Arizona that was shot uh, in the head, was recovering, it was music that enlivened her to respond. It was music that enlivened her to respond. Music as therapy, music can certainly be used uh, as good. It has power. It has power. I've heard people say, since serving in my role uh, with the state convention and working with churches in a consultation uh, basis uh, all across the state of Tennessee, I have heard people say fairly often, in fact, far too often, well, you know, God doesn't really care what you sing just as long as you sing. And I'm always very hesitant to, uh, to say that. In fact, I'm always hesitant to assign to God what his uh, concerns or attributes would be. And when it comes to the worship of God especially, I think we, great care must be taken in what we do and how we do it. Um, if you don't believe that God cares about music, just read the Bible. Old and New Testament, it's absolutely noted um, throughout that God cares about music and how it's done. It is the most referenced art form in Scripture, and if nothing else, just simply think about that at the physical center of this book is a book of songs. It's a book of songs. God cares about how we sing and what we sing as we worship him. So my question for you today is that if God cares about what and how we sing, can you sing in tune? Can you sing in tune? Some of you are looking at me with that, no, I can't uh, look. And some of you are looking a little more optimistically toward where we're headed with this. But I'm not talking about whether or not you can match pitch. I'm not talking about whether you can harmonize or keep rhythm. Rather, we're asking you a question that eventually we will sing in a prayer uh, later today. Over and again in this morning in the uh, music that we have sung and that we've heard the choir sing, there has been this searching of our hearts. God looks upon the heart in worship. Man looks on the outward appearance, the scripture says, but God looks upon the heart. He sees our heart. So the question is, is our heart singing in tune with God's grace? Is our heart singing in tune with God's grace? So in order to know if we're singing in tune with uh, God's grace and with his desires, we need to look, of course, to the scripture, to his word, to find 
of what his instruction for us are and just some of the things that we'll touch on this morning primarily from the first uh, the book of first corinthians the 14th chapter i would ask you if you would to turn with me there now and just have that open if you would and before we read it i would like to um, to pray a prayer for us in the hearing of god's word dear lord Gracious Father, this morning we have come before you asking you to look into our hearts. Lord, we pray that what you have found there is indeed the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to you now asking that you might speak to us through your word. We come to you not on our own merit, for nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim. But Lord, we come to you because of the Lord Jesus and because of what has been done on our behalf to forgive us of our sin, to make it possible for us to even come before your throne, to sing your praises, to express the love that we have for you and to engage with you in worship even to hear from you as we pray, Lord, you might speak to us as you have already through our songs and through our prayers. We pray that you might speak to us mightily through your word. Help us to have the ears to hear, hearts that are open. We recognize, Lord, that this is not something we can do on our own. We need you. We need the illumination, the brightening of your Holy Spirit for us to be able to understand. Not just to understand what you're saying, but to understand how it is to be applied to our lives as we seek to be members of your church, as we seek to be believers, as we seek to be those that would share the gospel with a world that is lost and that is dying and that is without you, creator of the universe, knower of all. So we pray for this time, dear Lord, that you might speak. I pray that you would guard my words and guard the ears of those that would hear. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. Now as we read from the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, I would ask you if you would to stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. Follow along if you have your scripture. Reading from the New International Version, and I'll be reading selected versions, uh, verses through the 14th chapter, beginning with verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And then skipping down to verse 15. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving since he does not know what you're saying? You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. And then down to verse 25. And the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. 
Going on to verse 26, what then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. And then finally, verse 40, the last verse of this chapter, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Well, let us consider together, can we sing in tune with God's grace? Uh, beginning uh, with this uh, scripture that we've just read and seeing what God has to say to us in answer to questions that we might ask. One of the first might be, uh, what should be the spirit? What will be the spirit of our singing? And I want you to think particularly in relationship to as we gather even on Sunday as we've done today and sing as a congregation, what will be the spirit of our singing? I would dare say but what every time perhaps that uh, David introduces a new song to the choir or to the instruments uh, who will play and who will sing, that he tries to get them to capture something of the spirit of what a song is about and what it's like. And certainly music can be all over the map in different uh, kinds of reflections and attitudes that are reflected in the singing or in the music. But the question for us as we worship together is what will be the spirit of our singing? And we find the answer, I believe, in verse 1 of chapter 14 where Paul the Apostle says, follow the way of love. The ESV says, pursue love. I like that. Go after love. In your worship singing, go after love. In fact, in all of your worship, go after love. Follow the way of love. This is how we be church. We follow the way of love. I noticed this morning that you are very much an intergenerational church, um, which is as I believe God has designed it to be. But I loved watching a few moments ago as these young people picked up their hymnals and sang and sang. So the question might be for us, well, are we going to sing songs in an intergenerational church? Are we going to sing songs uh, that speak to the hearts and to the lives of teenagers in our day and age? I believe if you're pursuing love, if you're following the way of love, indeed you will. Indeed you will. For it is a way, a, man, a means of letting young people know that we have concern that they awaken to faith and that they follow the way of Christ, the way of love. There are senior citizens, senior adults among you, senior saints as we might call them in the church. Um, are we going to sing those old hymns that appeal to them that were indeed the hymns that helped to awaken them to faith in early days of their uh, practice and of their coming to Christ? If we follow the way of love, I believe we will. There are children here this morning. If we follow the way of love, are we going to sing songs that help to inform and develop and direct children? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things we did last night in our time together was to reflect back uh, upon songs. Because you see, when we, we not only form our worship with our words and with our expressions, but worship is forming us. And so what we sing and what we say, what we pray, even as we quoted scripture a while ago, 
What we do in worship is forming us. It is changing our lives. Follow the way of love. As you sing your song together, if you're going to sing in tune with God's grace, you'll follow the way of love. So many churches have lost this in our day and age and have gone through crisis even over music. Lo and behold, you know, there was a day and an age in which the minister music was the fair-haired child in every church. You know, well, they could do no wrong. That ain't the case anymore. That's just not the case anymore as churches have struggled. And what a, what a joy to hear you this morning proclaim your praise unified uh, in a unified voice. And we do this when we follow the way of love. This must be the spirit of our singing. Another question that might come to us is what instruments shall we use in worship? What instruments shall we use? And I'm not talking here about piano and organ versus drums uh, or horns or anything else because my answer to that is usually yes. Uh, Whatever you've got, use it to praise the Lord and to offer praise and thanksgiving and worship to him. But what instruments shall we use? And again, I think we find the answer here in the scripture in verse 15. As the apostle says that in worship, what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my mind, but I will also sing with my spirit. Or I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. It takes head and heart to engage us in Christian worship in singing together. The apostle says to pray and to sing with head and heart. It's not enough to use one and not the other. Because if we use our head and not our heart, we run the risk of having a passionless worship. And there is no such thing. That's a total oxymoron. It does not fit together. There's no such thing as passionless worship. Now we may reflect that sometime as if there is, but the fact of the matter is the very nature of what worship is, which is offering our whole selves unto God, the very nature of that is to engage us uh, with passion. So if we only sing with our mind and not with our heart, we run the risk of reflecting a passionless worship. If we only sing with our emotions or with our heart, you might say, and not with our mind, we run the risk of going afoul theologically and doctrinally which again has happened in many churches and in many situations where we begin to just sing whatever makes us feel good, whatever we happen to like, the tune to, and whatever stirs us emotionally without paying attention to what the words are that are coming across our lips. And again, I remind you that worship is forming us. And so if we're not careful, we can be formed uh, in a wrong manner, doctrinally, theologically, getting away even from scriptural teaching and the accuracy thereof. So the instruments that we need to engage are head and heart. Another question is, what is the power source of our singing? What is the power source of our singing? And we find that answer in verse 24 and following. If an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare so he will fall down and worship God exclaiming God is really among you the whole point is that God 
is among us. You realize that the, the miracle of Christian worship, the thing that separates us out from every, every other religion that there is, is that God meets with us. God is with us. Emmanuel, that is indeed the good news. Jesus Christ came. Emmanuel, God with us. And when he left, he left resident with us the Holy Spirit that every time we come together, the Spirit would be here among us, speaking to us through his word, through one another, through our fellowship, through all that takes place, through the singing, through the um, engagement that we have in worship together. The power is that God is among you. Never forget that. Never forget that. It is never the charisma of one that speaks. It is never even the beauty of the sounds that are made. It is that God is among us. To him and to him alone be glory. To him and to him alone be glory. Soli Deo Gloria. David signs it on his emails. And I think it is so true in the very spirit of Johann Sebastian Bach. To God alone be glory in the church. Well, another question that might uh, come to mind is how can we stay together? This is definitely a question for any music leader. How can we stay together when we're singing our song of grace? Well, God, for one thing, gives us leaders uh, like David Vaughn to help us. He sends those who would guide us and who would lead us. But I love this uh, part of this passage in verse 26, the picture of this church that's meeting. You realize that Paul, the apostle here, is addressing uh, problems in the church at Corinth. And the problem, main problem that they had was that everybody would come and everybody kind of wanted the floor. Everybody wanted to kind of take over. Now, there's, that never happens in Baptist churches. In Baptist churches, everybody just follows the leader and goes right along, you know. Uh, but lo and behold, this happened in the church at Corinth, and that may be why this book is in there, to help keep us in line. But he says, What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a sermon. Everybody has one. A revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. He says, All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Now, can you imagine that? You gather together on Sunday morning and everybody there has got a hymn. Get ready to sing. And everybody sings their own at once and tries to take over. You know, it would just be a lot of noise. Now you get through early because you do everything at once. You have the sermon and all the songs at once, you know, whatever it takes, 10 minutes and you're done, you're gone. Uh, you know, that may have some appeal to you, but I think we need to follow the admonition of the apostle when he says that all things need to be done in order and all things need to be done for the strengthening of the church. We need to be reminded over and again that Jesus Christ came for his church, his bride, his bride. How can we stay together? How can we bring order from chaos? It is by following those that lead us. It doesn't mean that we're not inspired, that we don't have our own hymn and our own song. Uh, what I listen to probably on my iPod is probably different than what you perhaps listen to on yours. What's going on in our cars, as we mentioned a moment ago, is probably different kinds of music and different things. And these things indeed inform us and shape us and help us to express our faith in different ways. But when we come together as a body, we have to follow together to sing our song in such a way as it expresses God's grace. We need our leaders. 
Another uh, question that might come, and here we're going to go actually to another book, another letter of the apostle, what will be our repertoire for singing? And I would ask you, if you would, to flip over to the book of Colossians, the third chapter, in the book of Colossians, beginning at verse 16, Colossians 3, 16 and 17, and perhaps one of the most noted scriptures having to do with our singing and worship. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual song. What will be the repertoire of our singing? There's a pretty good list right there. I don't think it's completely exclusive, but I think it covers most of everything of what we do. I think psalms, there's been a lot of discussion about what psalms includes here, but I think psalms are simply the psalms, just what they say. The book that we have recorded, certainly the New Testament church worshiped with the psalms. The psalms were constantly on the lips of Jesus. The very last thing we noted last night, the very last thing that Jesus did with his disciples when they were together, the very last thing they sang. They sang. After that, they were never all together again with him. The very last thing they did together, they sang. And you know what they sang? They sang a psalm. They sang actually Psalm probably 113 through 118, known as the Great Hallel. Uh, because of the period of the year that it was, because of the time of the year it was, uh, worshiping around Pentecost and around the table. The Psalms, hymns, the great songs of our faith, not just that are old, but those songs that shape and form our doctrine. Hymns of great praise, songs of great praise, songs that lift our hearts together in unified direction to offer praise unto God and to teach and to form us how our faith is to be shaped and formed, how we are to follow him. Great songs of doctrine and theology, the hymns, the hymns. And spiritual songs, which for many of us often are, are kind of our favorite of the bunch because spiritual songs, I believe, to be those songs of testimony, those songs that reveal what is God going on in our lives right now, what God is doing, how he is working in our lives right now. And this has been the case throughout history. And so anywhere you land, if you sing the spirituals, the old Negro spirituals, you see what was happening in their lives uh, during that time, especially during the times of of slavery and during the times of, of great anguish. And right into our day, the songs that we sing of testimony that I believe to be spiritual songs, as Paul calls them, Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I think if you can see in that repertoire, there is a well-rounding of the practice of the church so that we look at those things uh, that help to lead us and point us to Christ in the Psalms, the hymns that help to shape and form our doctrine, and the spiritual songs that reflect to one another that God is alive and well and at work in me and in you and in us together. We recently have lost some giants in church music. David mentioned Burl Red, a personal friend of mine and a... Uh, mentor of mine uh, in music ministry over many years, uh, George Beverly Shea, of course. 
when I think of spiritual songs, I think of George Beverly Shea uh, and those great solos that he used to sing before Billy Graham would preach time and time again. A man 104 years old when he passed away, I heard him sing when he was a spry 84, uh, just 20 years before. And I could not believe the richness of that great baritone voice. Uh, but more importantly, the spirit with which he sang it. And this is the thing about spiritual songs. It is the spirit with which we sing them. It is ultimately not about the singer. It is about the one who has changed the life of the singer. And this is the real core, the measuring stick, I think, of our spiritual songs, is that we note that the song really is ultimately about our Savior. It is about Jesus. This will be the repertoire for our singing. And finally, how long shall be our Redeemer's praise? How long shall we sing? How will we know? We go to the last book of Scripture in the book of Revelations to find the answer. In two different locations, I would like to point your attention to. The first one being in Revelation chapter 5. And sometime I would encourage you to just read Revelation chapter 4 and 5 because here is the worship of heaven. John is on the Isle of Patmos and gives us a glimpse into eternity, a glimpse into eternity, into forever. If you don't like to sing, you're in trouble. You're in trouble Uh, because we're going to do it forever, forever, according to the book of Revelation. In chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, he says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever what a picture what a picture as we look into heaven there is singing i believe that wherever god is there is singing there is praise wherever god is and then finally in in uh, revelation chapter 15 What a sweet sound is the turning of the pages of Scripture. Revelation chapter 15, beginning in verse 2. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name. They held harps given them by God. And get this. And sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. The song of Moses, the very first song recorded in Scripture is in Exodus chapter 15. After the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, the very first song recorded in Scripture. And here we have the very first song recorded in the book of Revelation we looked into future. And guess what? They're still singing it, and we're going to sing it too, the song of Moses. Why? Why that song? And why the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb? Because they are songs of deliverance. They are songs of deliverance. That is the theme of our song from beginning to end and on into eternity is the song of deliverance. When someone comes to Christ, it It invokes in us a song, a song of thanksgiving, and it invokes in heaven the song of thanksgiving. 
the song of the redeemed, the psalmist calls it, as does the apostle, and right on through into eternity. You see, we're going to sing into eternity. And those who have gone before, they're singing now. They're singing now there. And so when we engage in the act of singing together, unified, expressing together the glory of God's grace, we're doing the same thing that those who have gone before us continue to do and the same thing that we not only do occasionally here now, but the same thing that we will do on into eternity forever and ever. Amen. Now, the picture is that we get a new body, and for some of us, granted, we hope that comes with that, uh, maybe um, that we can actually match tune and harmonize and do all those things that perhaps are a struggle for us here. I believe it's going to be so. I believe it's going to be so. I want to tell you one story as I end this morning of a couple in a church that I serve. The husband was actually on the state convention staff, and the wife, um, we did not get to meet for a while. We actually were invited to their home before we got to meet her. The husband taught Sunday school in the church where I served in Atlanta, Georgia, and as we got to know her, she was very pleasant, both of them very, very wonderful people, warm, engaging, inviting. loved being in their home with them. We found out after we had actually been there for a while uh, that this couple, some months before, in fact, I had asked someone in the choir, why does Judy not come to church with Dennis? Is there, is there an issue? We've been in their home. She's such a pleasant person. They said, oh, you don't know? I said, no, I don't know. And it seems that some months before I got there, just a few months before actually I arrived, their daughter, who was in college, Um, was kidnapped from a fast food restaurant while studying one night, late one night, murdered, taken to a storage bin and stuffed in there with a padlock placed on the door. I could not imagine. As a dad, I just could not imagine the pain and the hurt that must be there. And the story was that Dennis was somehow able to overcome enough to come back to involve himself back in the church, but that Judy had just not been able to get past the hurdle of that hurt and of that pain. Well, one morning, Sunday morning, Judy came to church. Needless to say, there was a flurry of activity around her as people welcomed her back. And the story that she told me and eventually told the rest of that congregation was that she faced over and over on Sunday mornings that hurt and the pain of wanting to get in the car and to drive to church to be with God's people, but recognizing the immense emotion that overcame her and realizing that she would probably just be there and afraid that she would just be a basket case the whole time that she was there. The hurt and the pain was just too much. But she said she continued to pray and finally prayed her way through that and on this Sunday morning came to the church and came to worship with the people. And it so happened that on that Sunday morning we sang as our fellowship song, We Are Standing on Holy Ground. And she said that during that song that morning that she heard the voice 
of her daughter, Jenny, who she had heard sing that song actually as a solo uh, in its earliest days of introduction, and then later it became one of her favorite hymns and songs sung by the choir and then eventually by the congregation. And she said on that Sunday morning that as we sang, we are standing on holy ground, that she heard her daughter's voice. She said she heard it with such clarity that she actually for a moment lost touch with reality and turned quickly to look at the balcony expecting to see her daughter standing at the front of the balcony where she always gathered with other college students and sang in that church. And then, of course, looking there, coming back again to the stark reality that her daughter was gone physically from her presence. But she says as we continued to sing that song on that morning that she heard in an audible voice, Mom, we really are standing on holy ground. There really are angels all around. You see, it's true. I don't know what happened that morning. I don't even begin to want to try to explain it. But I know that what happened to Judy in her life was very real. That God overcame that block, that roadblock in her. So much so that in fact, when we were doing a musical just a few months later, Judy volunteered to share that very story with the congregation. Now, I don't mind telling you it was pretty tough to sing after that as the music continued on that night. But the powerful reality is that you and I step into this stream of worship that began even when the morning stars sang together before the earth was created and continues to this day. It is the song of Moses. It is the song of deliverance. It is the song of the Lamb. And if you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and can come before the throne of God because of what Jesus has done, in Christ alone we stand. In Christ alone, on the solid rock, we stand. We stand. There is forgiveness for sin. There is cure for our dismal failure in life. And that cure is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. To join the song to sing with the rest of the church the song of grace in tune with the grace of God our Father. This morning I want to invite you, if you would, to stand and ask you to bow your heads with me in prayer. As we prepare for an opportunity to respond this morning, I don't know what your decision might be. Perhaps you do not know this God of grace and desire for your heart to be tuned. We cannot tune our hearts any more than the piano up here can tune itself. God has to tune our hearts to sing his grace. So if you're in that place where you do not understand, you cannot understand, how could it be that Christ's death covers my sin? I would invite you to listen to the, to the leading and the pulling and the drawing of God's Holy Spirit this morning. If he's speaking to you, that you would come to him. Uh, Brother James, I believe, is going to be here at the front to receive those that might come forward. This morning, I hope as we sing our invitation hymn in a moment that you will respond by singing and singing this prayer that we're going to sing. And perhaps there are others of you that would like to simply come and kneel at the altar and pray a prayer 
a prayer that God might help your heart to be in tune with his grace, that our singing and our worship might be renewed. This is why we gather week after week after week. We're Christians worshiping out in the world as we work and as we serve, but we come together to collect together to bring those burning embers together that the fire might glow a little bit brighter and that we might be strengthened and encouraged. Let's pray. Dear Lord, it is hard for us to grasp how in the world you loved us enough to send your Son to save us from our sin. That every bitter thought, every evil deed would indeed crown his blood-stained brow that our sins would be paid for on the cross of eternity, that we might be made right with you, that we might worship you, not just on a Sunday morning, but in every moment of our life, giving ourselves to you, mind, body, spirit, that you might take us and use us as a part of your kingdom's work. It's hard for us to grasp we know it's true we believe it because we've read it in your word we've heard it prayed we've heard it sung we've sung it together and we pray this morning lord that you might have the freedom to act in us whether it is just retuning our hearts to sing your grace or whether it is coming to faith in you for the first time in our lives we pray that you would have freedom to do what you desire to do among us we pray these things in jesus name and for his sake Amen.